0: Hello everyone, I'm Dennis and this is Sheev Valley, a show about Sheffield startups. The goal of this podcast is to increase the connectedness within Sheffield startup ecosystem and give another platform to local founders to talk about their ventures. Today's episode is the second of the rubric building ecosystems, and is with Samantha Deakin from Capital Enterprise. Sam is widely known among Sheffield startup scene as the first organizer of startup weekends in the city. She was long working for Enterprise Team at Union of Sheffield, and has now joined Capital Enterprise as super connector. The impact that Capital Enterprise's initiatives can have on Yorkshire could define our region and the startups ecosystems within it. And there's no better person than Sam to lead that process. We spoke about startup weekends, ecosystems, and we tried to define what makes an ecosystem successful. I enjoyed our conversation a lot, and I hope you do too. So I'm here today with Samantha Deakin from Capital Enterprise. Hi, Sam. How are you?
1: Hi, Dennis. I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes, it's, it's my pleasure. It's been a long time coming. So happy to, to be finally having it, having it happening. And I want to start directly by asking you to tell us a little bit more about your life prior to Capital Enterprise, the organization that you're currently working for.
1: Okay, yeah. So I guess it's been a bit of a winding road, to be honest. I had a sort of surprising start in that I studied journalism studies. And from there, really, I did an optional module in, in web journalism and taught me a little bit about HTML and CSS and sort of very basic scripting languages. And from there, I kind of caught the coding bug a little bit. It, it, it was A friend of mine was launching a dog walking business, a dog training business, sorry, at the same time. And she needed a website and it coincided with me having got these new skills. And so I taught myself a little bit more and I built her a website. And that led to me in the final year of um, university sort of freelancing. And building really small websites for people teaching myself how to code by they would ask me for some kind of feature and I would go and learn I would say yes of course I know how to do that and then I would go and learn how to do it and and build it for them and in that kind of way I, I learned a little bit enough to be dangerous I say in terms of sort of coding and that got me into sort of digital technology and and all that kind of thing I started to pick up on sort of CMSs, you know, like WordPress and Joomla and Drupal and things like that, and e commerce platforms as well, and started coding with sort of PHP and adapting those kind of templates and things like that for people. Charging a little bit more. And off the back of that, really, I started to build up quite a decent knowledge about sort of search engine optimization, social media marketing, all these kind of things. Launched a couple of companies in that time, one of which was an e-commerce startup, and just had a couple of like forays and and I guess. Yeah, just just having some ideas and because I had the skills to just quickly, you know, throw up a website or something, I would just go and do it. But I think my my sort of big first career step was landing the University of Sheffield Enterprise as a client. So. University of Sheffield Enterprise was a standalone entrepreneurship unit at the University of Sheffield. It was kind of separate from the main university in a way, but still part of the the fabric of university life. And it was rebranding at the time to be really sort of early stage business support for students and graduates. And they wanted me to be the voice, basically, of of the website for students and graduates and and all this kind of stuff. And I guess it was because I'd had some background in digital. I wasn't long outside of university. I understood social media marketing, which at the time nobody was doing, (laughs) you know, this was sort of and uh nine 2010 and yeah so I I became the sort of digital editor for the University of Sheffield Enterprise and one thing led to another and eventually I started working for them as an employee in this sort of startup unit that was doing things like business competitions for students and they had a little bit of seed funding and stuff like that so that was my first real sort of step into you know, the entrepreneurship landscape beyond trying to launch my own little ideas myself. I think USC really evolved. I was there for eight years and it really, it grew and expanded and evolved over that time. And I had several roles within it. I went from digital editor to being a marketing manager and then to getting way more involved in the sort of the startup support side of things and becoming a, more of a sort of, a startup coach for digital and technology startups. And I helped to launch the co-working space there. And just, yeah, very very much got more and more ingrained into the the startup ecosystem with, you know, within the university with students and graduates and staff. And then I guess a friend of mine, a, a fellow entrepreneur and sort of startup busybody in Sheffield, Convinced me to co-found a startup with him in 2016. It was called Campus Capital. And so between sort of 2016 until, until the pandemic hit, actually, I was working in the very early stage sort of venture capital space as well. So, on the one hand, coaching startups, you know, in the very early stages of their company, right through to raising their first round of investment, and then, on the other hand, within my own company, trying to solve some of the regional problems around access to finance for, you know, high quality startups in in originally Sheffield, but we moved to. Manchester, Lancaster, Nottingham, Newcastle. I think we were in Oxford and Cambridge, and a couple of other places as well. So yeah, and then that takes me up to now. Really, at Capital Enterprise, that's my career in a nutshell.
0: Great, and I I met you in Sheffield Hallam's iLabs. That's right. Uh, and, yeah, and so uh, what I've what I knew about you before before I met you is that uh, you've organized startup weekends, and uh, at the time I I was organizing one, and uh, I remember just being kind of very interested in learning from you in terms of building an ecosystem because I've heard I've heard I've heard about you before and how you've been one of kind of the main the main builders of the ecosystem in Sheffield, and that's actually the premise of of our conversation today, and and I think it's a good segue to the next question where I want to uncover more because I always talk about ecosystem on on my podcast, even in my goal, I've I've set it up as that I want to kind of contribute in a way to the connectedness of the ecosystem. But could you please help to uncover what exactly is a startup ecosystem and what are the benefits for a city to have one and what are the benefits for the startups inside of it?
1: What is a startup ecosystem? (laughs) It's, It's a big question. And I guess at its core it's like it's like any biological ecosystem really it's it's a startup ecosystem is basically it's all the living elements in a community and the elements of their environment and then how they interact with each other and and that's essentially what any ecosystem is so for a startup ecosystem i guess at its core it's you know who are the people the active people in those ecos- in that ecosystem what are the places what are the systems, what are the policies, what are the resources, the assets, and then what are the ways that they kind of need to connect with each other in order to create an environment where essentially all of those living elements can thrive, and particularly in in startup ecosystems, what what are the elements and how do they need to connect in order for startups to thrive? And I think... I'm glad you brought up Startup Weekend. (laughs) I would say that, yeah, I remember that first meeting with you um, and that first conversation and Startup Weekend was very much where I caught the startup bug. And it was also where I was first really, really exposed to ecosystems and, but particularly actually startup communities, because I think it's kind of important to differentiate a little bit between startup communities and startup ecosystems. So off the back of the first startup weekend so I we, I ran the first startup weekend in Sheffield first ever one and I did it through my job basically at USC and that was where I realized that basically everything I'd done business-wise up until that point had been like wrong it'd just been like having ideas for like solutions and then building them right and Startup Weekend told me, taught me about focusing on problems and focusing on pains of customers and starting small and, and building up, you know, in an iterative way with the product. And so this blew my mind. And so when I was invited to a global organizers summit a few months later in Rio in Brazil, it was basically a, a gathering of loads of volunteer organizers of Startup Weekends from around the world. It was incredible. I suddenly was immersed in this sort of community of people who were doing amazing things in what they called their startup ecosystems in their cities, which was hugely inspiring. And and that's how I was sort of first, first exposed to the idea of ecosystems, rather than it just being you on your own as an entrepreneur and how you, and your idea, you know, the fact that you needed all of these other things in this community around you in order to be successful. And so I think... Going back to startup communities versus startup ecosystems, I would say a startup community is really, is a group of people. It's a group of people who are committed pretty much solely to the success of startups, right? So it's, it's entrepreneurs, it's potentially, you know, mentors and, and things like that, but it really has entrepreneurs at the center. And then the startup ecosystem is they can have other, their elements, It's, it's kind of wider than the startup community. And the other elements that make up the wide ecosystem may have other priorities as well. They may not be fully focused on startup communities. So for example, universities are a really important part of the startup ecosystem, not necessarily the best leaders of a startup community because, you know, they have other priorities and they have other pools and they're potentially, you know, don't have a long-term agenda as a, as an entrepreneur would who who would be leading a startup community you know agendas change and priorities change whereas an entrepreneur will always have you know a vested interest in in you know su- the success of the start community I guess And so yeah that I, is that helpful to to differentiate between startup communities and startup ecosystems?
0: yeah I think that's I think that explains it really well and actually, The fact that you mentioned rio and how you went to this global organizer summit it reminded me that in 2019 uh, after i organized my first one i went to Turin to the same same event i think it was with a different name but it was the same thing organizers of startup weekends from around the world and this was such the same 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 as you it was the first time i was exposed to to these to these people i would even say to the to these kind of jobs because I was just fascinated. Some of the I remember speaking with people from Singapore, I think, who have built, who have organized startup weekends before, and now they had their own company where they were organizing. They had an accelerator, and they were organizing a bit of a luxurious startup weekend where they would provide better, better. Rewards. Oh, like a
1: corporate, yeah.
0: Yes, yes. I, I think you know better food, like gourmet food, stuff like that, and it was just kind of cool, very, very inspiring as well. I remember being there and just looking at people from New York, you know, London, there was people from Silicon Valley and just thinking like, wow, I, you know, I really, I really would love to to kind of do that for Sheffield as well, you know, to be able to come here and represent the city in the same way. So those events are genuinely very, very inspiring. And so uh, was it, was it still Techstars when you like had Techstars bought the Startup Weekend when you went to that summit?
1: No, no. So when I ran Startup Weekend, it was just Startup Weekend (laughs) when I ran the first one. That was the name of the organization. And then, and it was just an activity. So it started in Seattle, I think. And I met, so the guy who sort of, founded the Startup Weekend and it was it was such a it was quite a small community compared to what it is now and you know I met all the Seattle people and it was really good so some of the originals you know um, the founder of Startup Genome for example was there and you know I knew him felt like I got to know him really well and Startup Genome hadn't even started then you know it was like before that and yeah and then the next by the time I went to the next summit it was Up Global. They'd had they'd started incorporating Startup Digest and Startup Next and a couple of other programs. And so they brought them under the umbrella of Up Global. And I think that was partly because Barack Obama had put some um, policies in place and some um, initiatives in place around entrepreneurship. And, and so it, you know, they needed something that was more of an umbrella. And, you know, he was very supportive of Up Global. And it was after that. (laughs) So yeah, I've been to two summits, I think, before Techstars acquired Startup Weekend. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and, and by the way, because I I went to one, obviously, Techstars have already acquired Startup Weekend. There was a bit of a, how to say it, a bit of a notion in in, in the air where like a lot of the people were very pro-startup weekends and kind of cautious about Techstars' involvement in that one. And so. Probably, probably most of my listeners know Techstars is, is one of the biggest creator of accelerator programs in the world, and they bought one the of the originals. Account. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably like the second after Y. Y. Combinator. It y, Incom- y. Combinator. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the original accelerator model.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, but when they bought it, they basically, you know, with the idea to kind of boost communities and ecosystems. But I believe that I remember speaking with people who have been part of the Startup Weekend for like, you know, years and years. And they were saying how, you know, Techstars is kind of trying to occupy their their their, their, their space and they're trying to kind of corporatize, is it the correct word? The, the, the space, which honestly, I, I don't see it. But again, I haven't been there for, for long. So I'd actually like to hear your opinion on that. Do you, like, have you had experience with Techstars after they a startup weekend, and have you seen any like significant changes?
1: Yeah, so I have still had a lot of experience with TechStars beyond beyond the acquisition. So I've been a global facilitator for startup weekends for a number of years now, and I've facilitated startup weekends in in Prague and in Norway and in London as well. and 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 that has all been since the TechStars acquisition. I think I'm. I'm quite comfortable with change. (laughs) And so I know it was very difficult at the time for a lot of people. And there was, I think there was a lot of concern about what it could mean, right? Compared to maybe what, how it's actually happened. And I think, but one thing that can't really be dismissed or overlooked is how some of us felt about the fact that we were volunteer organizers. And you know what it takes to organize a start weekend, right? It's, it's like three months of like full-time slog of getting coaches and judges and venues and then the food. And, the, and that's not even the marketing and selling tickets. And then you've got to think about the media of it all and all that kind of stuff. And so there's loads and loads that goes in as, as a volunteer organizer of start weekend. And a lot of us, I think, particularly the Europeans amongst us particularly the french amongst us were were very much part of our identity was the fact that we were doing this for a non-profit that up global was a non-profit organization and that it it kind of made sense for our identity to be volunteering for a non-profit but what did that mean to be giving all of that time and volunteering for you know very much a, not, not a nonprofit, right. It's, it's a, it's an investor. Textiles is um, really an investor. And so I think that was, that was a difficult transition. I'm not sure how many people stayed on past that transition. I know a lot did, but I see a lot more new faces these days at Textiles than I do the old people, you know, but people move on anyway. And I think in reality, what changed? There was a lot more focus on brand. So as a facilitator, you know, there's a lot more focus on, you know, the wider, the wider Textiles message and getting that across at events, whereas that was kind of like, Sometimes the facilitators would do it. Sometimes they wouldn't. You know. Sometimes you just go straight into the startup weekend. So it felt a lot more hacky in the beginning, which I actually love. I love that feeling of just, you know, I really feel that you could run a startup weekend in a car park, and as long as you had pizza and an internet connection, that still amazing things would happen. And I think that's one of the things I noticed after Techstars is it became a lot more professional, and the events were a lot less sort of grungy (laughs) you know and and much better organized and probably yeah uh, possibly much well much more connected much more potentially connected in with investors you know and and the wider textiles network and you know the potential for accessing the textiles accelerator and things like that so but yeah you maybe lost a bit of that scrappiness that underground grassrootsness of it
0: yeah, I think that's a very good way to put it. I didn't actually think about the fact that Startup Weekend in the beginning was a non was a nonprofit, indeed. And then I'm not sure exactly. Like I've always had uh, had a bit of a problem on understanding exactly how the finance works. But I think we, well, you know, from the budget we we have, we sent what is it? I'm not even sure we we could talk about this, you know. But, but <laughs> we sent we sent some some part of it to back to TechStars. I think like 50 the the latest events. I don't know men- how it works now.
1: Oh, okay. The last yeah, event it's... I run was for COVID and it was virtual and there was no oh, yeah. ticket price, so there was no yeah. budget.
0: Yeah. The, I remember the last one we, we had uh, physical, which was in November, 2019. Again, like, I don't want to say anything, but because I genuinely my experience with Techstars and with Startup Weekend has been like only, only successful, M- maybe the organizing, the organizing tool we used. It was very controversial I remember I wasn't the biggest fan of it and there was a lot of people who weren't as well don't even remember the name now was it swoop? but they changed it swoop yes that, see that was changed
1: it, that wasn't part of the original that was, it's changed a number of times
0: <laughs> Yeah no one no one likes swoop I remember even in Turin when I went no one liked it and that's why they changed it last year because absolutely everyone disliked it but yeah actually you you spoke about startup genome mm. uh, and my next question is regarding Startup Genome, and just for the people that haven't heard about Startup Genome, not sure I can describe it exactly, and, uh, but it's basically a, a company that evaluates startup ecosystems. It kind of researches them very, very deeply. I'd say provides reports and uh, also ha- works with with startup ecosystems to help them build, to help them build better policies, to help them to work with politicians, to work with startups to just yeah, just build. Ecosystems, I think they're probably the leading company in the world doing. that. amazing. Everyone, I'm going to put the link for the website because genuinely love, love their page. It's worth signing
1: up to their newsletter as well. If you're interested in ecosystems and communities and things it's yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so they're the leading ecosystem research and consultancy company. They measure ecosystems by five metrics. Uh, So that's performance, funding, connectedness, experience experience and talent and knowledge so do you agree with these metrics do you think this is the way to measure startup ecosystem do you think there is something more important to be measured and which one of these five do you find the most important
1: Mm. um so i think yeah performance is very broad (laughs) Right. I guess it depends what you mean by performance. Is that in terms of revenue or job creation or number of exits or, or, you know, how are we defining performance? I'm not sure because I haven't looked into, you know, the depths of how startup genome works. But I mean, startup genomes, they, they are startup genomes. Are, startup genome is the expert in this right? And they've got many, many years and reams of data on which to base their metrics. So, and I think all of them are important. The thing is that every city will have its challenges and therefore every ecosystem will have its own challenges. And I think some will be typical of other cities. Some will be sort of ingredients that, you know, and and issues that you'll, you'll see. Other places, and you can draw parallels with. And some of them will be sort of fairly unique, individual. So I think, you know, when looking at things like the the five metrics to your you're looking at your sort of own ecosystem and measuring your own ecosystem, I think it's worthwhile doing. But I I don't think you I think you also you need to take in the unique needs and challenges in your own cities and and consider those as well as the sort of the unique benefits and assets that your city has that, that may not be included in what is a global, you know, measuring consultancy company, I mean, and you just know how different things are country to country, or even within, and then within the same country, and then within the same region, I mean, the differences even between sort of, you know, the history of like South Yorkshire, and the history of, you know, West Yorkshire, even, you know, that it's going to create um, different environments. And I think, what a lot of these performance metrics often don't take into account, which I think is becoming more and more, and it's always been very important, but people are becoming more aware of it these days, is is opportunity, and not just opportunity, but whether access to that opportunity is equitable. You know, what is the ecosystem's impact on people's lives? within the city what's the impact on the world (laughs) you know so these are these are other measures that may or may not be more important to you know somebody working on a startup ecosystem in in a particular city it may be you know social impact is is high up on the agenda or you know high quality jobs you know maybe high up on the agenda so yeah i think i think sometimes you you have to you can take those things and then you can certainly adapt them to your own ecosystem that being said i do there are there are key things that Every ecosystem needs every startup ecosystem needs in order for it to be, you know, serving its entrepreneurs well. Essentially, entrepreneurs um, and and startups they need access to certain things in order to succeed. They need access to talent, you know. They need access to capital. To grow and and scale they need access to maybe it's it's data depending on the kind of company they are they need places to work from you know they need mentors they need access to market you know that all of these things can make up elements of of the ecosystem so i think there are sort of key things that have to be present within an ecosystem but to answer your question question on what do I think is the most important I think basically is it has to be c- connectedness I think y- you have to for all the elements you can have all the, those elements in the ecosystem present but really the the strength of the community and the strength of the ecosystem boils down to the the quantity of connections between those elements and then probably more importantly the quality of what flows between those connections in terms of information in terms of services in, in terms of assets you know all those kind of things so i think connectedness really has to be at the core it's not just about yeah well he, here's a gap we have to go create this well if nobody knows that it exists then you know nobody can access it then it's almost pointless that it being there really
0: absolutely I, I I like to call it the buzz factor or what's the buzz around the ecosystem how much are people talking about mm. existing venture when, when, you, when you start a company are there, are there going to be early adopters in the end of the day everything that's created is a new solution someone needs to implement someone needs to try it out does a city have the have the capacity to kind of for early adopters for people that are willing to try to try new things and oh sorry yeah.
1: go on and that's part of the community element as well right the people who attend startup meetups the people who go to things like startup weekend you know people who may not necessarily have ideas themselves or want to be entrepreneurs but are very much interested in this whole entrepreneurship thing you know and get energized by being around people who are doing this kind of thing and maybe they're you know maybe they're potential co-founders maybe they're potential first employees you know these kind of people maybe they're potential first customers you know like you say it's yeah that that's kind of the the community aspect of it i think
0: so (laughs) let's talk about capital enterprise it's your current Mm -hmm. the current organization that you're working with and uh, i've heard about capital enterprise before i learned that you started working for for that for them they seemed like a great organization so i can't wait to hear more about them from you. But yeah, if you could uncover what's your role within it, what are the key initiatives currently, and what's the vision of the organization for, for our region?
1: Okay, sure. So Capital Enterprise, basically, is a nonprofit headquartered in London, and they are, I guess could broadly be described as startup experts. And they've very much been taking an ecosystem approach in London with the mission of ensuring that London is the best place in Europe for tech startups to, to start and scale and grow and, and succeed, essentially. So, like I say, they do this through an ecosystem approach, combining a lot of the elements that we've spoken about today. Some of the time it's there through running their own programs. So they have an accelerator program called OneTech which is a diversity sort of focused accelerator program. So the ideal audience for that is underrepresented founders in tech. Capital Enterprise also has a membership and they typically work not, they do work work directly with founders and directly with startups, but they, they typically work more with sort of startup support agencies, people who deliver startup support. And it's kind of in recognition that that's a tough industry as well. To get right, it's the business of startup support is not is not really an easy one, and so they work with universities, for example, with local authorities, with accelerators, with incubators, and as part of their membership, they they sort of give advice, share best practice, and and connect people uh, with each other, and they do that mostly on a sort of program level. My role within all this is so I'm a regional lead for Team SY. And TMSY is focused on South Yorkshire as a region. And it's basically, it's in recognition of the relatively untapped potential in the regions outside of London. And so the project also takes an ecosystem approach. So it's about mapping existing provision and services and elements of the ecosystem within South Yorkshire, what's already there, making connections. Like I said before, one of the most important things is how well connected um, the ecosystem is. So connecting dots. So a big part of my role is really just knowing everything that's happening and trying to make sure or trying to do my best that I communicate to other people about what is happening. And the right people know the other things that are happening that are relevant to them as well or complement what they do and then looking at sort of what are the gaps in the ecosystem you know where where is south yorkshire falling behind where could it do with a little bit of support you know to to help startups even more and then part funding high quality programs to fill those gaps across south yorkshire so that would be sort of pre-accelerator programs accelerator programs some of which you know are already existing and we just feel need to have their capacity increased so they can do more amazing things and some of them are where we really do see that there is a gap here and also an opportunity for maybe a vertical you know, accelerator program that we can bring in from outside of the region, you know, that that is a high quality program that may also attract high quality startups into the region. And if we can create this, this ecosystem, this vibrant or help to nurture what is already here in terms of the, the South Yorkshire ecosystem, then we can try and encourage some of these companies to, to stay, hopefully raise their investment here, hopefully build their teams here, you know, which contributes obviously to the, the future longevity of the startup ecosystem.
0: So could you list a uh, few ways and few benefits that startups and also startup organizations can take from capital enterprise?
1: I think one of the benefits is if you are if you are running a startup program, the I mean, one of the best things about an ecosystem or one of the things that um, an ecosystem needs to work or a startup community needs to work is that there is an ongoing roster of events and activities that engage the entire entrepreneurial stack right? This is really important. And so we're funding programs and connecting programs that look at every single stage of the entrepreneurial journey. So if you're a startup organization working at the very early stages with very early stage um, companies, you know, it's worth connecting with us so that we can connect you with next stage programs, where your startups going to go next to get the support they need when they you know, have exhausted all the support that they can get from you. What pre-accelerators are available, what accelerators are available. And then beyond that, you know, how do you reach out to investors, right? And so from a startup organization, if you're delivering startup support to, you know, technology startups mainly is is our focus, connecting with us to, to find out who might be a good pipeline for you if you're somewhere in the middle, like who are the programs where you might, you might find startups for your initiatives. And then, yeah, who, who can you sort of move your startups onto once they've exhausted your support? And then for entrepreneurs and founders of startups, I mean, essentially, my counterpart, there's two of us on the ground in South Yorkshire, myself and Kerry Batchelder, and... We have been speaking to everybody, <laughs> and part of the reason we're in this role is because we've been around for a very long time in the UK system. We're already well-connected in South Yorkshire and beyond, and now through Capital Enterprise, you know, into London as well with with their sort of existing decades' worth of, of connections. So from an entrepreneur's perspective, if you're wondering – you know, how you can access certain markets or how you can access investors or who, what kind of, you know, programs might be right the right fit for you in terms of an accelerator program is that going to be right for me right now or you know a pre-accelerate or should I go to an incubator you know it's worth reaching out to us to chat to us a little bit about what it is you're working on because when we talk to you we can make these connections in our minds and so it just makes us quite a valuable resource for signposting we're both so Carrie's an entrepreneur in residence um, at the University of Sheffield and I obviously have been coaching startups for a number of years up to that kind of seed stage investment so we can give a little bit of one-to-one advice but really the value is in just all the other people that we could potentially connect you with to help grow your business
0: and now i'd like to talk a little bit a little bit more about sheffield in particular Mm -hmm. obviously the focus of sheep valley another another startup evaluating company or website i'm not exactly sure called startup blink Oh, yeah. They made a ranking. They made a ranking of uh, ecosystems in 2020, and Sheffield was 15th, which is not horrible, but it's also could always be better. And on Startup Genome, for example, they have they have a map of all the ecosystems in the world they're working with. Sheffield is not present there currently.
1: Do you know it used to be back in the day? I was well, uh, were you the, I was the curator. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was the curator back Thanks. when Startup Genome first started, and really because I knew yeah. the founder. And it was very, it, it wasn't what it is now. It wasn't what it is now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this is very ambitious, but let's let's just try to create a quick impromptu plan for developing the ecosystem. What are the key targets, action, and activities we could list in the span of <laughs> in the span of this, uh, the rest of this episode? In in your opinion, of course, that that could really lead to Sheffield. First of all. Progressing from fifteenth to a to a higher to a higher place in the ranking of starbling and also showing showing up again on startup genome. Apart obviously from having a curator,
1: something I came across recently and worth checking out, I think, is something called LaunchVic. So it's an, initi- an initiative in um, Victoria, Australia, and essentially they were having a lot of the same problems that I think Sheffield suffers from in that. A lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs feel as though they have to leave Sheffield and move to London in order to start their business. And and I think that's mostly due to probably a fairly realistic perception that there's not enough investment here. They need to go to um, London to raise investment. And so... They were suffering from the same thing in the state of Victoria and Australia, except a lot of people were moving to Silicon Valley <laughs> in order to raise the investment, like the serious entrepreneurs, you know, they were losing them. And so they set up an initiative called LaunchVic, doing very similar, um, a very similar process to what TeamSY is doing, actually. And they, they took the, they used the strategy of funding programs rather than funding companies directly. So they funded pre-accelerator programs. They funded accelerator programs. This is a government initiative, and they funded incubators and and things like that. And I think now, so they started in 2016, and since then, they've funded 110 programs across the state of Victoria, and I think... What you think about accelerator programs, for better or worse, like a lot of people are very resistant to accelerator programs. And, and I can see why, you know, especially with, you know, the the original model of accelerators being, you know, taking some equity and then charging a fee to the startups as well. And you think, okay, well, there is, there's an ulterior motive to um, the accelerators to accepting startups because they're getting paid a fee, whatever, right? So why don't they just accept people that, you know, never have a chance of raising investment at the end and uh, you know that that that's a potentially uh, valid argument but programs come in lots of different shapes and sizes and i do believe that one of the things that a, a really high quality accelerator can bring to the to the region is that density of a cohort of startups going through all at the same time you know they they become very visible within the startup community you saw this with ignite when ignite was in newcastle you know very much the startup community was energized by the fact that there was this cohort of you know high quality tech startups in in the region and you know it, it they're visible they give people you know especially new entrepreneurs people to look at and think okay yeah i could do that you know because they can see it it also it attracts Tension from an investor perspective, you know, because you've got a higher density of, of startups happening. So I do think that, that one of the ways that you can really start developing the ecosystem is not just looking at you know, investing in in companies and, you know, the investment play and, you know, how do we do something for, for this type of entrepreneur and how do we do something for this type of entrepreneur? You have to be engaging the entire entrepreneurial stack. You have to be engaging, you know, you can't ignore you know very very early stage bootstrapping startups because you want to focus on the scale ups because you think that's where all the growth is because that's you know where you see and even in places like silicon valley now you're seeing huge problems because it's not an area now where you go to start a start a company because they're completely priced out of the market you know it's a it's a place you go to raise your series you know, B, C, D rounds, not your, not your early stage rounds. And that seems fine for a few years, but then you have the problem of, well, a few years down the line, those investors don't have pipeline because the, you know, the early stage companies haven't been supported. And so I think a quick impromptu plan is probably, (laughs) it's probably not going to happen, you know, in, in the time we have, but I think, you know, whatever happens, it needs to, it needs to engage all entrepreneurs it needs to be inclusive of of everybody who wants to engage in the startup community you know it needs to include a range of activities you know there can't be dead spots in the calendar right There needs to be startup weekends happening. there needs to be meetups happening. There needs to be startup weeks happening, week-long festivals of, of startup activity. There need to be accelerators and demo days. There need to be investor lounges. you know there needs to be good media and great podcasts like this you know telling stories of, of great startups. you know all of these things are important and they all kind of need to happen together and collaborate with each other in, in order to create a, a great startup ecosystem in Sheffield, I think.
0: Great well Sam, do you would you like to move to the five questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of every episode? On oh, then. <laughs> okay then so the first one is regarding a book. what what is one, two, 10 books that would that you would recommend to founders or future founders?
1: You probably already had this one. It's it's such a it's such an obvious choice. But I when I was coaching at the University of Sheffield's entrepreneurship unit, I would always make sure that everybody had a copy of the Mum Test by Rob Fitzpatrick. Actually,
0: Have you had Actually just one? actually just the last episode with Mark Asquith. Oh really? From, <laughs> from Rebel Base Media. Yeah, he was the first one that that mentioned it. So Love yeah, on, only only second time. I thought you were gonna say the lean startup, which has been present in a lot, around 70% of the episodes, but the mom test, it's it's not as it hasn't been as popular as a suggestion.
1: Yeah. The the reason I recommend the mom test is because it will not only change the way that you have conversations around your company and the way that you do customer development and validation. It also kind of changes the way that you have conversations with people in general. (laughs) I think just reading the mom test makes you a better conversationalist to a certain extent. I, I think there's, there's some key things from it, you know, like pulling, pulling information out of people rather than pushing information onto people, you know, getting um, just simple techniques like tell me more, tell me more, you know, that really help you have good conversations with people and pull information out. And then since we've been talking about communities and ecosystems and think like, things like that, the Startup Community Way by Brad Feld. I think there's, he's just released another book as well, which I can't recommend because I haven't read it. So The Start Community Way, and there may be a more recent edition, but it, it was released a few, quite a few years ago. Some elements of it are out of date, but... If you're interested in, in communities, it gives a really interesting backdrop to the startup community in Boulder, Colorado, which has a really tiny population, but really punches above its weight in terms of tech startups. It's, it's the birthplace of tech stars. You know, it's it's has a lot of venture capital investment, really good links with the universities and in interesting ways. And I think if you're interested in being a startup community leader, you know it's it's worth looking into the startup community way, and particularly the bolder thesis that Bradfeld lays out of of what a startup community kind of needs to be in order to um, best serve its its entrepreneurs.
0: Second question is for you to tell us one idea for a startup that you had but you never got off the ground.
1: Oh, there have been too many. I was thinking about this question. There have been so many. And I think it's hard to pinpoint one, but I will tell you a little story that one of the things that Startup Weekend taught me really early on was that ideas are kind of worthless to a certain extent. <laughs> and and well, to a large extent, and that it's all about the execution part of what made me realize that is because if you attend a lot of these events, you start to see very similar ideas, you know, coming up and lots of pitch events. You, you've oh, I've seen that idea before, and they may be being executed in different ways or, or whatever. And so for a little while to kind of. Prove this to myself, that ideas were worthless and, and meaningless. Every time I had a startup idea, I would write it down in a little notebook. And then if I was at an event, a startup weekend or something like that, you know, where they were all sort of working on a challenge to a deadline, you know, how sometimes during the weekend teams get out there and they're validating their ideas and they realize, oh no, this has been done before, or, oh no, nobody cares about this idea. What am I going to do now? And the team starts to kind of implode late on Saturday night or whatever. And, and so I would walk around with this notebook at the, at the event and, you know, They'd be looking for another idea and I'd be like, here, take one of mine <laughs> and just give them the notebook. And it was just, it was a nice lesson for them about, you know, ideas and, and not being so secretive and protective about ideas because you think someone's going to share, you know, steal them. But it's also, it was a good practice for myself to get into that as well, to not keep, you know, my ideas quiet.
0: <laughs> that That's actually a really cool story, I think, because I, I've only started to realise that and, and don't get me wrong ideas you know without ideas we don't have anything that they, they stay in the fo- the foundation but i agree with what you're saying that there's so many people there's so many creative people and uh you know we, we we think all the time we come up with ideas all the time i dare to say that you know in the in the western world we do have the the privilege of having the time to to be able to, th- to think about stuff to be able to you know identify problems which You know, are not the biggest problems in the world and come up with solutions that come up with solutions for them, especially now that this kind of, you know, entrepreneurial mindset, startup, startup building, lean lean startup methodology has become so popular. And yet, in the end of the day, everyone can come up with an Uber for X. But can you build it can you make it viable can you make people care for it can you make it uh you know commercially successful can you you know lead a team that's that's what really matters and you know as as, as you're saying you can have the greatest idea in the world but if you're shit at doing anything else you know if you can if you can't actually build it it's it, it's it really doesn't matter and uh, what well, do you think that cuz you know it's the social network came out in 2010 and so mm. uh, i guess Facebook, which is now one of the biggest companies in the world, one of the biggest startups in the history, probably with like in terms of funding and valuation and then IPO and so on and social impact and everything. And in the end of the day, that idea was kind of, I you know, based on the film, I, to be fair, I haven't read the real story. It was kind of stolen. So do you think there is like uh, this notion where where just by watching this film there's this fable where oh my god we should be really cautious because there's this geek staying on the on the corner who's waiting to to steal it from us
1: oh it's maybe maybe i think people people are naturally protective of their ideas i don't know i don't know i think i feel like it's been around longer than than that you know the, this protectiveness over you know oh if I tell someone this and they're gonna take it and they're gonna run with it and I, I think there is always a risk of that right there's always a risk and and I think stuck Events like startup weekends and things like that really, really prey on that fear to a certain extent. Like a lot of people probably won't attend and pitch their ideas because they know that the room is full of entrepreneurs. And if anybody's going to steal their idea, it's going to be these, you know, these techie entrepreneurs who have the skills and, you know, the, the want to, to just find an idea and roll with that. Yeah, there's always a risk and I, I always try and think of like, what's the risk of not sharing the idea, <laughs> you know, because I speak to so many people who are oh, so many people. I have spoken to some people over the years who have said, oh, you know, I had the idea for Facebook, like, you know, or insert big company here like years ago. And if I have just done it, I'd be a millionaire. And I think. Well, maybe, maybe you would, or maybe you would have done it completely different because you'd have had different experiences along the way. You'd have had different conversations, different, you'd have found different partners. And yes, it might've been successful, but I'll tell you what, there's probably thousands of people who had the idea for Facebook and who started it all at the same time and went down completely divergent paths. Uh, And I think, yeah, I, I, when when thinking about being secretive and protective over your ideas, when that when there's some IP, you know, something that is truly protectable, then yes, obviously, particularly if you're going to want to patent something, you shouldn't be, you know, sharing it with everybody. But I don't know. I, I think I think you just need to think of something that prevents it from being stolen. If it's that easy to steal then you have to worry about you know the unique value of it like you know at some point you're going to have to launch and tell people people about it and and so you know it has to be yeah you have to have something that's that's protectable right whether it's your own skills or insight or network or some unfair advantage that stops it being easy to borrow or steal
0: so my next question is about Sheffield again, and uh, it's about locations in Sheffield. So what's one place that you would recommend for people to visit?
1: Well, place that I spent most of my time in Sheffield when I wasn't in a university building in front of a laptop was probably the foundry. <laughs> so I used to like to do a lot of climbing and bouldering. Sheffield is is an amazing outdoor city and obviously it's you know surrounded on one side by peak district and it's one of the greenest cities but whatever the weather you can go climbing <laughs> so you know foundry climbing works you know all of those all of those places i've spent a lot of time at i think sheffield has one of the highest expenditures per capita on outdoor equipment it's an interesting fact there
0: my next question is a little bit more philosophical And it's about if you had 15 minutes with your 20-year-old self, what would you tell her?
1: 20 years old, I was in my first slash second year of university. So I would say play less Mario Kart and do more work.
0: My last question for you today, Sam, is to tell me one big, hairy and audacious goal for Capital Enterprise in regards to our region and uh, your role within it.
1: I think for, for anything that I'm involved with, really, but I think it was particularly um, important for this project, is that it has legacy. So I wasn't really interested in working on a project that ran for two years and achieved some things that were confined within that you know, two, three year period. And then in five, six years time, everybody kind of looked back and said, Oh, Hey, remember that team SY capital enterprise thing that happened? Yeah. what What's still around from that? So I think I'm always trying to think long-term and what the long-term impact is going to be. And I think my big hairy audacious goal for, for team SY would be that some of these programs that we're embedding find a home here in sheffield you know that they continue to run that in five years time those programs are or or some legacy of those programs is still happening in the region and that startups have decided to move here because of some you know and build their teams here and, and raise investment here because they can because of some activity that we've done that startups are staying here because this is the best place for them to be in terms of their business, but also in terms of, you know, their quality of life and, you know, their mental health and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I mean, philosophical goals, but measurable, I think. And I hope that's big, hairy and audacious enough for you.
0: Definitely. Sam, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Dennis.
0: We will definitely need to record again with Sam because we couldn't cover everything I wanted to talk about in this time frame. And funnily enough, Sam told me after the podcast that we didn't even dive deep into the subject. So I could imagine we would have gone for days if we did. Next episode of She Valley will focus on a manufacturing startup. One of the most exciting in Sheffield and it will be published on Tuesday, April 20th. That's next Tuesday. In the meantime, please subscribe to She Valley wherever you're listening or to the show's Twitter account. Connect with my personal LinkedIn. And visit the official ShiVali website. All links are in the show's notes. Shea Valley is supported by Sheffield Technology Parks, one of the integral parts of Sheffield's ecosystem. I wish you all a great day and until next time.